show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance FM 104.4. It's a different show because, like most, we don't focus on all the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff that we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London called Restart Parties are just the beginning. And my name is Janet Gunter from the Restart Project and I'm joined by Ugo Valauri, my partner in crime. Hello. And Orsetta, a volunteer electronics repairer with the Restart Project. Hello. (laughs) Um, In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the latest electronics news, but as always seen through our particular Restart lens. Um, And then we're going to have a special chat uh, today about women in STEM and women in tinkering and hardware uh, as in commemoration of Ada Lovelace Day. Um, this year would have been the 200, is the 200th anniversary of Lovelace's birth, and she's often, well, now she's celebrated as a visionary of early computing, um, but that is actually quite new in and of itself, celebrating Ada Lovelace and her legacy. So, um, Orsetta, you're a regular volunteer with the Reset Project. Um, you work in a community garden. You told us to introduce you as a scavenger and an upcycler. <laughs> yes, here I am. <laughs> yeah, um, um, and you you come regularly to events and, um, in fact, probably be at one of our, our restart party tonight. Um, just reminding, we're having a restart party tonight in Brixton at the Remakery. Yes, from 6.30 to 9.30. Very good. I'll be there. Good. And, um, and we're probably going to talk about some geeky stuff that may be a little bit out of your like particular domain as someone who just likes to tinker and upcycle. But um, we're going to start out with a couple stories. Um, one of them is uh, the so-called Stangate. Ugo, do you want to introduce Stangate? The mythical Stangate uh, involves a problem that a lot of, well, we think a lot of people owning laptops from Apple, uh, particularly MacBooks and MacBooks Pro, have experience with delaminating the layer of um, anti-reflection on their screen. So basically, a lot of people have started experiencing this problem where part of a layer of their screens that helps with reducing reflection, the glare, the mirror effect that a lot of us experience, um, started to come off. And for some people, it happened as a result of normal use. And for other people, it was after they cleaned the screen following products that are vastly available on the market, so Mm. normal products. And people started complaining about this, understandably, because these are probably among the most expensive laptops in the market. We haven't actually seen any at a restart party, have we, like this? But there are different images online. Lots of images. I spotted potentially one that only had a tiny bit on one side, which wasn't really affecting the use of the laptop, but But I can appreciate. But some of those images are really shocking. Like, I mean, you just couldn't use a machine that has that much, like, noise on the screen. Yeah, it it showed a a level of decay that you could imagine happening maybe in 50 years, not in a year and a half or two years. And so basically what happened is that people started complaining about this uh, with Apple, obviously taking the product back to a shop or going contacting customer service. And obviously for people that were within their warranty period, um, Apple didn't have much to say, but there's a lot of people that were developing this problem, laptops developing this problem right after the end of Mm. the warranty period, as it so happens often with products. And 
basically Apple was denying that there wasn't any problem. Well, hold on, but we did hear so, it, but it just happened on a case by case basis. Yes. So some stores people would go and they would the genius would receive them really kindly and say, oh, of course that's you know that. There's nothing that's just wrong, and they would get a replacement. And then, in some cases, people were asked to pay five hundred, six hundred dollars, yeah. or the so, equivalent elsewhere in the world. Yeah. So, yes, this brought um, some people to start thinking a bit differently about how to tackle the issue, and we find this quite interesting. So, the whole stain gate. Um, came together as a campaign uh, bringing over 6,000 people together um, initially just sharing online mm -hmm. and creating a Facebook group and creating a website where people affected by the problem would report that they were having an issue and so a counter of how many people were affected by this. This gained a lot of steam if I'm not mistaken earlier this year, right? Yes, that, it did yeah. and uh, people started complaining by sending directly an email to Tim Cook, the <laughs> organization, the CEO. And uh, as a result, apparently at one point, when people started sending emails directly to him, then they hmm. would get contacted within a day or so by someone at Apple facilitating some support. But still, the issue wasn't confirmed uh, directly hmm. and an official patch to the problem wasn't released until... Uh, Friday last week when finally Apple came clean and admitted that there was okay. a problem and that people um, who ha are experiencing this problem can go back to Apple and get the screen replaced even if it's beyond uh, warranty and in case and this is quite important even in case um, they've already had it repaired commercially elsewhere they can go back and get compensation oh, wow, for okay. the repair that took place okay so they're basically they're fully taking responsibility for it now but after quite a bit of um, noise and which which discontent. really made us think about uh, how consumer and uh, citizen pressure on brands at times is quite crucial in making uh, a bit of noise that can help them behave in a more responsible yeah, way. It's, we've written about this in the past, haven't we? Like how, and we have, I mean, generally we have rather mixed feelings about Apple in the sense that they do, pro like they can provide a level of, um, you know, of, of support, of support yeah. and care that many other manufacturers cannot, although there are these moments when we feel like it's it's very inconsistent. So we actually wrote a blog post about how to talk to a genius and we how to did. get the most out of that. We did, and we did this together with our volunteer coordinator, David, who had experience with his mobile phone, um, having developed a problem before the end of the warranty, but him not being able to go within warranty to get it looked at. And we basically realized that there is there are ways of talking to uh, the geniuses yeah. that will help you get the full support yeah. that you deserve. And they often involve getting uh, some, doing some research before you go and yeah, understanding sure. that the same fault has been dealt with in a positive way in some other shop across the world. <laughs> yeah. And if you can find documentation that proves this reliably on the internet, if you then speak to your um, genius bar or whoever in person, you can 
raise the issue and often you get a positive feedback. It is one of the most frust- simultaneously like gratifying and frustrating things about Apple, basically the fact that they, they have these retail um, locations and that you can have that direct contact with them and not always get your problem solved, but sometimes get it solved. Absolutely. So, when you yeah. deal with other brands, you yeah. can't go and see them. So yeah. often you're stuck with some unpersonalized yeah. uh, phone call with someone who's very very removed from the issue that you're trying to get solved yeah. so yeah it's not a pro or anti apple issue it's just yeah, about this one i feel like they they, they took well, a bit long to <laughs> they actually got acknowledge it what they needed to do they finally did it okay um moving on we had another um interesting um kind of uh how can i say solution fix workaround arise this week and we had a little bit of debate about it on our mailing list um somebody who experienced a failure basically of the micro usb port on their android rather newish android maybe two or three years old um and she wasn't willing just to let it drop and and the micro usb repairs can be very fiddly very difficult depending on the model so she did some googling and and, and ended up ordering and i have it in front of me uh, a chi induction wireless charger so it's like a flat it's a disc it's about what well, it's about the size of a well i grew up in the US, in north Big america metal. a hockey puck it's this, <laughs> it's a little bit it's a thin hockey puck um, and in theory this will charge her um, her Nexus 4 um, wirelessly. And so she can get it. It's a workaround for the micro USB failure. Now, what are the pros and cons, Ugo? <laughs> yes. So first of all, the the micro USB failure in itself, the spare part wouldn't be very expensive. You can find them really cheap on things like eBay. But the problem is extremely fiddly to resolder, desolder and resolder them together. Even most of our restarters are always it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, a bit it's a long anxious job. about it. So, yeah. you know, if you can avoid it, that's great. So the, the pros of um, wireless chargers are that they allow, obviously, to charge your device without the cable. And it's quite useful, not just in smartphones, but in other uh, products because it's compatible with working in a wet environment. So that's why huh, they became okay. more common, particularly, you know, electric toothbrushes. Not that I use one, but I've seen that uh, they mm. can be charged and uh, without in involving okay. any cable. On the downside, uh, environmentally speaking, is the fact that um, they dissipate a lot more heat compared to the normal wire charging. So if what that means is that it takes much longer and a lot more energy yeah. Uh, yeah, is noticed, wasted mm-hmm. uh, performing wireless charging. So It's like four to six hours to charge most mobiles. So it takes uh, maybe twice or three times as yeah. much. And what that means is that obviously you should be mindful of this and use it at your discretion when necessary. But if you have an alternative, uh, well, you should. However, yeah. in the case of our... Uh, friend who contacted us asking for help. This was a wonderful workaround because it allowed her to it allows her to use the device for maybe another year or two. And so this, and it's the useful part for whoever is listening today. Some mobile phones are already designed to be compatible with this Qi yeah. standard of wireless charging. So even if you don't own That's a wireless QI, like a Chinese yes. Qi. So if Chinese you're if you're Googling, <laughs> um, and so your 
existing phone might already be compatible with this and a list of them, a growing list of them are. Um, however, if your phone is not uh, compatible, not all hope is lost. Some We found a lot of interesting guides on the internet on how you can replace at times the back case of your device. For some models, this might work to include um, a wireless charging uh, device that can fit on top of your battery. And those are really thin, most of them. They don't add much to the Oh, at times the they thickness. don't add anything at all. Yeah. It's just incredibly thin. Um, in other cases, uh, there are much more complex procedures to actually hack the phone yeah. and add two little wires with the... Yeah, we saw some kind of crazy Frankenstein type very hacks. Very difficult. And, and tablets. So my other thing was we've seen heaps of tablets with, I mean, partly because of kids and other things, and, you know, tablets getting yanked, micro USBs being broken. Um, but actually, it didn't seem like there's much of a... Well, there there is... The Qi standard does exist for tablets, but some tablets are not compatible. It yeah. seemed like kind of a nightmare with tablets. Somehow it hasn't taken off as yeah. much in tablets. I guess okay. because, yeah, probably not that many people have demanded it. Well, um, as Orsetta, as you were saying, it sounds like a fairly new thing for most people. Yeah, it might take time for people to discover this new yeah. device of charging. Um, also, um, we hope that maybe they can work on the energy efficiency parts of it and that absolutely. over time that will improve. I okay. guess if you release heat, you can use it in the winter so it can, you can put your uh, <laughs> you thermostat can, down you and you up. just start charging your <laughs> mobile devices. Well, the way it works uh, yeah. um, is that you have two coils attached to a wire that one is on the receiver end inside the device and one is on the charger pad. And basically by induction, uh, the energy is transferred from the charger into the device uh, at a distance of four centimeters. So it is wireless, but it needs to be very and much it's fully, yeah. The other thing you asked about Orsetta, you're like, is that safe? And yeah, I mean, I think it's fully like it safe for the safe. consumer, <laughs> environmentally safe. Okay, um, well, you're listening to Restart Radio on 104.4 Resonance FM. And we're talking a little bit about <clears throat> some of the latest... Um, workarounds, fixes, and things we've seen in the news that we've been talking about this week. But we're going to move on to talking about um, women in STEM and particularly our interest, women tinkering, fixing hardware. Um, we've got uh, our guest with us today, Orsetta, who's a volunteer with the Restart Project. And Orsetta, when you come to events, you, you, you tend to work with like uh, household appliances and mechanical electrical stuff. Is yeah, that fair? more mechanicals than yeah. electric electronics or yeah. I'm more confident in sort of mechanical seems easier to understand how they work than electronic devices a bit more complicated but the more I come to the restart parties the more I learn about different parts so I yeah. get to fix more and you're one of the like I would say you're one of the more empowered just like keen women who shows up and just you know gives a go has a go at stuff and I was you know we were talking about this before but um and we've noticed this time and time again we get a lot of novice men showing up as well um and they just get stuck in immediately they'll start to, I mean to the point where you know we have to you know do we have to brief them on safety and um but they'll just they have they're it. in a sense they're more fearless um and 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 it, i don't know if it's because they're just seem they're okay t tinkering with somebody else's device and maybe that there's something with women where they respect that that's somebody else's thing and they're a little bit scared what, what, why do you think women are <clears throat> less likely to um to get stuck in like 
new novice men at our well, Easter parties. You're going in the right direction, I think. At the beginning, I was a bit scared of tinkering other people's devices because they were not mine. If they're mine, I know if they break them, I just break them and there's nothing else I could do. But somebody else, they might get a bit annoyed that I broke them even more. But now they do come to the restart project or the start parties and you know they know it's broken and if I can fix it good but if I can't fix it it was broken to start with so you yeah. might as well try yeah. and fix it yeah or and I think our events do offer a unique opportunity like that yeah. because most of the stuff that comes in is, is pretty much almost end of life so I have it's myself, confidence uh, I mean the same fear don't get yeah. <laughs> the wrong idea like sometimes people bring something it's still yeah. valuable to them and so you want to make sure that you're being as fair and transparent yeah no, it's the, true that we also have a lot of male volunteers who showed up and said you know i only do software you know i don't i don't open anything i don't and then a year later they're fearlessly opening stuff and you know working on electrical mechanical stuff so but the good thing about restart parties is there's lots of people with different skills so if i for example don't know a bit of something i just mm-hmm tap on the shoulder with someone else and say hey do you know how to do this and they will say yeah so they just show me and then next time I'll be able to do it so it's practice and just willing to learn and And it's a fairly friendly space when you say I mean so you know believe me I'm looking out for any signs of kind of machismo or you know kind of um, I would say the men who volunteer for us are really you know really open and, and, and they're friendly with each other and friendly with women that show up Okay, so the question is, why are fewer women showing up? Can you tell us a little bit about your background um, or set? So how did you start tinkering and disassembling and learning about the way things work? Well, when I was playing, I used to always make things up and transform things. So I guess I got it from there. Or when my mum used to go to work, she used to just leave me with a salty dough and just (laughs) abandon me in the kitchen. And I was just do that all afternoon until she'll come back. So like Play-Doh. Is Play-Doh, yeah. Generic just, Play-Doh. Yeah. Homemade Play-Doh. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you also played with Barbies, but not, yeah, I not maybe Barbies like most until girls. I was 12 year old, but I used to make the house for the Barbies and parachute them down the stairs, but it never worked. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I used to love having um, remote control cars that my cousin used to have, but they never bought me one, so I was really jealous of them as okay. well. Okay. And then I think you told me at age 13 you toured a school that you would later attend. And tell us about that. Yeah, so in Italy, you go and see the um, like high schools when you're 13, and then we went to the technical school where it was divided with carpentry, mechanic and electricals for boys and sort of tourist and social studies for girls. So the girls luckily finished the tour all earlier. So we managed to meet the boys in the wood workshop and I fell in love with it. So I went home and said, Mom, I'm going to do woodwork for the next five years. She said, OK. So I studied carpentry for five years and there's only two girls in the whole school for the first two years because the two schools were separated, but then they joined them together, okay. I think, because of us. And um, that was great. Wow, I mean, so nightmare because you get bullied a lot because all the guys were like, girls are too weak, and I used to jump on machinery because I wasn't strong enough. So, <laughs> And then at the end of the years, they were like, yeah, I can pull all those levers and things like this, and I... My mom still have all the cabinets and things I built over the years. Wow, that's really cool. I remember. So um, until the age of 10, my neighbor, uh, my best friend was the boy next door and his dad had this amazing wood shop. And um, I definitely loved making stuff in the wood shop. Um, 
it's a really formative memory, I guess, like being in a space of making and, you know, having tools around and but also being shown how to use them. And like and as a kid, especially, it's very empowering to, you know, to 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 be able to to be shown how to use things and to and it really opens up a world for you. But I was telling you or Sato that um, after when I moved away, um, I just remember very, you know, and I I'm obviously was, I'm, I'm kind of more of a verbal person, um, more into words and writing. And, and um, I, I really got channeled into that in my school experience as well. And the, the next kind of making or sensorial or like hands-on experience I had was um, analog photography that I started at age 16. And, um, you know, I actually it makes me sad to think that kids today don't have the opportunity to... to, to to work with analog photography because it's such an amazing process. Um, but yeah, it really got me reflecting on, you know, how, and, and in my classes um, in math and science, I, I was kind of um, pushed to achieve, but I, I wasn't, it wasn't something I really liked. And my, I had a brother who was very talented. And so inevitably there's some feeling of maybe division, like that I was the verbal one. And, but I'm, I'm reflecting back and a lot of the women that I, that I went to school with and that were really talented in math and science, they did make it. You know, they they were working in technical fields and really talented in them. But there's just a few. There was really. a few. There's a handful. And they're, they're like, the, you know, almost like the success stories for me. So um, th- where do you think it really starts from from an education perspective? Is there is there something that... Well, it sounded like Orsets and I both had very, like, very fruitful, like, home lives or, like, you know, very, yeah. we, there were no restrictions. There were no... I don't think that there were any signals that I shouldn't be doing those things. But I do think something happens around, what, age 12 or 13, wouldn't yeah, you say? Maybe you can change and discover different things. But it's also, I think, commercials tend to divide mm-hmm. lots of toys for girls and it's, for boys. And oh, then yeah. you kid, you just watch TV quite often and you just get, oh, boys do these things and girls do these things. But for we sure. should try and blend them together and I have a friend that she said that she had um, a boy that everybody keeps he wants tracks and little cars to play with but she tried to find the pink coloured one so the boy can be more sort of play with girl stuff and then the girl could play with boys things and yeah. So everything is so gendered I mean I you know like even um, you know tool sets. I remember. I think you have a pink and I do have a tool pill, set. Yes. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, why are they making pink tool sets? I don't know, but um, um, maybe that's the way forward. So pink, say, oh, the girls, are, I can have a. But pink I mean, I've seen that, and I'm not sure it works. You know, because you see yeah. that with these coding coding initiatives for girls. Sometimes they get really kind of girly, and it seems to be like self defeating in a way. I don't. It, you yeah, know? I guess that the stereotypes, if they're used like, to kind of look beyond they Mm -hmm. they risk still taking you backwards all the same i mean in italy going back to italy we have two italians in the room today (laughs) well at the moment there is strong opposition from a lot of civil society uh, because of this so-called gender theory so they they believe that people trying to say that you know a girl can be a truck driver and uh, a guy can be into fashion or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, this is part of trying to confuse people Wait, on so the right. Wait, so you're saying there's a pushback? Oh, yes, goodness. there is a yeah. massive pushback. And so, in, in a way, we're talking in terms of science and technology in trying to push a more balanced view. But at the same time, all this 
uh, attempts are met with increasing resistance from the more conservative parts of society. Goodness, that's really the, the, the influence of the Vatican there is yeah. very strong in that well, country. I thought, I thought the Vatican was better this time around, but <laughs> maybe well, the top on. of the Vatican yeah. is. But moving we'll, on, we'll um, we're, we're going to be working hopefully in doing more work in schools, and, and really this is always in the back of my mind because for me, you know, we can try and recruit more than 10% women volunteers. You know, that's for at our the events. moment we have 10. That's about more the month, and that's about the number of you know that that's the percentage of engineers who are women, you know, and that is, if you think about it, it's really shocking. Um, and we can try and, you know, do our best. To, and we've, we've, we, we do have some amazing women friends in tech who have led skill shares for us who are, I mean, really inspiring people. And, we, and we've de- we're definitely finding them and cultivating those relationships. But, you know, we, I think it has to start sooner. We have to crack this issue of why is it that girls move to the back of the class? Why is it that they get quiet? Why is it that they drop out? Um, of the technical school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we're not going to get to it today, but, you know, a lot of the discussion about women in tech particularly says that, you know, women can make it to a certain point and then they're dropping out. They're not, beca- they're not making it into management, you know. And, you know, I've had some really funny conversations with our Restart volunteers who've worked with some very strong women in tech. Um, yeah. And they have a very good impression of, of, you know, women in management. But those stories are almost like the rare stories, you know, the yeah. kind of... The odd uh, yeah. case. So that's something we can reflect on maybe in the future. Um, it, I, one thing that's... Um, been really interesting for me just and we went to the um, Ada Lovelace Day celebration at Conway Hall um, which is essentially run by the woman who created Ada Lovelace Day um, Sue I'm missing I'm forgetting her last name name. Um, she's kind of a legend Sue you'll find her on findingada.org.com and uh, I was really impressed just with the lineup of women um, in science that were there and It was such a cool vibe to have students in the room. And it was just it was a celebration of women in tech. And I think we need more of that kind of affirmative. Yeah. And and it wasn't just about showing that women can be geek, but also that they can popularize um, science to a broader audience and actually bring in aspects in the way they communicate about it that maybe a manly person wouldn't have uh, explored in so much detail. So, you know, there was something quite magical about yeah. the way science was portrayed. Yeah, by, and it wasn't like it wasn't just like a scientist in high heels. It was like you had all kinds and I yeah. really liked that. I think that girls need all kinds of role models. They need all kinds of women doing all kinds of different, you know, scientific and technical pursuits and also tinkering. So, if you're going to fix something at home, um Involve involve your um, nieces, your daughters, um, young people. Invo- involve your, in, your sisters and, and your yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I I learned a lot when my brother helps me with stuff. So um, keep people keep the women in your life involved. And and I think there is a thirst to to to, to learn. I mean, you know, I think a lot of us don't really want to feel so dependent. Um, but sometimes it helps just to have someone you know, get you started um, and explain and, some and stuff. And the majority of women who come to us, they all ask for opportunities mm-hmm. to learn, actually, not just necessarily to volunteer in the wild, but also to learn, get more skills, get more 
opportunities, skill shares, classes on tinkering. So there is yeah. a huge appetite there. So just to say that we'll be hosting a series of women's skill shares over the next couple of months. We're just putting them in the calendar. But um, you can find us on meetup.com slash restarters dash London. And um, that's where you'll you'll find out about what we're doing there. Um, tonight, we have a restart party in Brixton at the Remakery from 6.30 p.m. So if you have anything that's driving you mad that's uh, electrical or electronic, bring it and learn how to fix. And there are two really great events on, I guess, what is called now critical making this coming week. Um, one is the Maker Assembly. You can find more information at makerassembly.org at the VNA on Saturday. I believe there's a waiting list, but uh, and watch try. the hashtag makerassembly on Saturday. And on Monday and Tuesday at the Machines Room, we'll be participating in an event called Makerspaces Cultivating Sustainable Development. And that sounds like a really fascinating and somewhat new conversation. So we're really excited about that. And you can follow the conversation on the hashtag sust, S-U-S-T, make. And um, as always, find more information about what we do on our website, therestartproject.org. You can find us on Twitter, Restart Project, and Facebook as well. Um, we're live here every Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. So um, until next week, bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> bye.